Welcome to the Life Point Church podcast. Let's give him some praise for that. <clears throat> Isn't that such a cool, cool story? Whether you might be believing today for a physical healing, um, some type of breakthrough, some type of um, restoration, or a baby, or two. Some of you might be saying, I, I got all the babies that I need. Well, that's okay, too. God can meet you right, right where you're at. We just thought that was such a cool, cool story that we would share with you this morning. And so I, I just wanted to entitle the next few moments, A Christmas Story. And it, it's so cool this time of year, no, no matter how much Christmas spirit you have or don't have, it is such a really, really cool time of year because um, it, how many would agree, it's just, there's just a, even though there may be some challenges and some busyness, um, there's just a different feeling in the atmosphere. There, there really, really is. Um, you, you go to the mall and you, you hear um, Christmas carols, you hear music about um, <clears throat> a baby born in a manger, you uh, hear songs about um, love and time that you, you spend with the people that you want to be around. Um, you can see nativity scenes with uh, uh, Joseph and Mary and, and the baby Jesus. You see all these things around us. There's just a, a different, um, I guess what I would call a spirit of giving. You get to spend some time with people that you enjoy and don't enjoy sometimes. Um, people, people tend to show up at church this time of year a lot more. And let's just face it, Hallmark rules the airways, right? <laughs> I told my wife, if you've seen one Hallmark, you Pretty much seen them all, right? No. <laughs> Small town, Christmas village. Someone moves around way to the big city. They come back for a visit, realize this is what they've been looking for all their life. They find the boyfriend that they had in high school that looks the same as he did then. They get the big job offer, then all of a sudden they have to decide, are they moving back? Are they staying in the small town? <laughs> then they think that the other person kissed someone else, but they really didn't. It was someone else. <laughs> Everything's about to fall apart, and all of a sudden, butterflies fall from the sky. They kiss at the end. Snow falls. <laughs> it's not real life, people. It's not real life. <laughs> <laughs> It sucks you in, doesn't it? Like, it, I mean, I'm going to lose my man card on this. I understand. <laughs> the other night, it's like midnight. Everyone's asleep on the couch, and I can't turn the Hallmark movie off. I know how it's going to end. I just can't turn it off. I lost my man card on that one. That's all right. But <laughs> Christmas can be many things. But I was thinking about this, really. Um, mostly, it's identified with lights. People start lighting their houses. There's lights, and just like... Um, the lights we might display, I'm, I'm so glad that there was original light that made a great announcement that uh, forever changed us today. So I'm just going to entitle the next few moments, A Christmas Story. The hard thing about when you teach or speak on the holidays is you already know the end. And I can only tell this so many ways. So I just want to encourage you with what you already know this morning. Uh, so we'll just call this A Christmas Story. Here's the good thing about a story. Just like the one that you just witnessed, a good story has a plot. There's always a what there's always a how, and there's always a why. So let me bring the what, the how, and the why into focus for just a few moments. And there is a passage of Scripture 
Three verses I want to read to you that gives us the what, the how, and the why of Christmas. And this is found in the book of Galatians, chapter 4, verse 4, verse 5. Actually, it's four verses. Verse 4, verse 5, verse 6, and verse 7. It reads this way. When the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. So we see the what, we see the how, we see the why. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, and that spirit calls out, Abba, Father. You are no longer a slave, but you are now God's what? Child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. Isn't that a cool passage of scripture? It's the what, it's the how, it's the why of the Christmas story. The what is that God, uh, and when the time fully came, he sent his son, how? Born of a woman, to do what? Redeem us. Everyone say redeem. So let's talk about the what for a moment. Here's what I believe the what was, is that God fulfilled his promise. The Bible says, actually, God's not a man that he would lie, but God is God, and he's faithful to every promise. Every promise in the Bible, it says, it's what? Yes, and it's amen. And you've heard me teach this. We can put our amen to what God said yes to. So this is a book of promises, and all through the Old Testament leading up to that night in Bethlehem was promise after promise, prophecy after prophecy, and God fulfilled all of those. Matter of fact, from the moment that Adam and Eve fell in the garden, God was engaging a plan, aren't you glad, a plan to fulfill all of those promises. And, and here's the thing. A lot of times we don't know about the promises or about the season or about the time of the birth of Jesus because we, we, we see these uh, just perfect pictures of everything. But here's what it was like when that promise came about. And here's why I'm telling you this, because you might be sitting here this morning leaning into one of these promises just like Josh and, and Ashley were, but it looks like everything is happening the opposite way. And it might look like the conditions are not favorable for you, or it might look like it's completely impossible, or the hurt might be overwhelming your hope right now. See, at the moment that Jesus was born in, he was promised to be born, and he was promised to be a Messiah, and at the time of his birth was a time of extreme, uh, there was a lack of employment, poverty was very high, people were very discouraged, people were without hope, um, there was Roman oppression, there was uh, military enforcement that they were dealing with all around them. They had been struggling to hold out hope. They were practicing Jewish traditions that, that, that were failing them. They were trying to uh, embrace these new Greek philosophies that were also failing them. And from the end of the Old Testament into the beginning of the New Testament, God was quiet for like 400 years. Have you ever felt like you've been there? You're holding on to a promise, but it just feels like God might be silent. And it may be feel like there's a lot of pressing you. It might be feel like there's a lot that's failing you. It might be uh, feeling like there's a lot that's stacked against you. That's what was going on in history at that moment. And all of a sudden, God made an announcement. But it's interesting to me how God made that announcement. Now, if it was me... I'd have a tie on like this that was flashing. I'd have smoke behind me. I would roll out the car, but there would be. But Jesus, uh, God had a different plan, and He just sent a message to this unwed virgin teenager in this small little town. And God just said, I'm going to favor you, and you're going to birth my son. You're going to birth that promise. You're going to birth that redemption plan that He engaged all the way back in the garden. So he shows up, makes this announcement, 
And nine months later, that promise comes to fruition in an obscure way that almost was missed. So that's the water of the story, that God looked down into his creation that was created perfectly, that man messed up, and he still loved us so much and still cared for us so much that he put a plan into place, even though that plan probably didn't make sense to people at that time. And they started to lose sight of that plan. And like I said a moment ago, this is a book of promises. And God said in Corinthians, every promise is yes and amen. It's for you. And it may feel right now like the promise just, there's no way. The sickness is too hard or the relationship is too broken or my heart's too hurt or there's too much disappointment or the opposition against me is so, so strong. But God's committed to his promise. He's committed to your faith. And so nine months later, the Bible says this in the book of Luke, Joseph went from a town in Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and she was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for him um, in the inn. So Joseph takes this pregnant young teenage girl about 120 miles. Now, we could get in the car and drive 120 miles. We'd be, you know, above Pittsburgh somewhere pretty comfortably. But this was before GPS, and this was before your car. So they, they had to, um, it took them about a week and a half to make this journey. So it wasn't an easy journey to make. And sometimes in the middle of trusting and relying and desiring and believing, how many of the journey gets a little tough sometimes? It gets a little challenging sometimes. I love what Ashley said. There were some highs and there were some lows. And how many know the highs can be very high sometimes and the lows can be pretty low sometimes. But through all of that, they made that trek. They made that journey. They end up in this little town that the Old Testament prophesied about called Bethlehem. And there in this little obscure moment, God birthed a redeemer. And really the Christmas stories, when I was just asking God, what could I share during our Christmas experience, I just kept getting the word redeemer, 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 redemption. And that was God's whole plan, still is his whole plan. That's why God stepped into humanity. That's why Jesus was born in that little manger. That's why we sing what we sing today. That's why we shout that word Noel, to shout about a significant birth. That's why, because it was a redemption story. And the redemption that started in an obscure little town in a stable is the greatest story ever told. Because it's not just historical it's also active today. It's still redeeming people today. It's still rescuing people today. Uh, here's what the word redeemer means. It means that someone is charged with a duty of restoring the rights of another person and to avenge the wrongs done to them. I mean, let me read that again because that was a little bit wordy. It means someone is charged with a specific obligation or duty to restore someone's rights to them and avenge the wrongs done to them. So when he's called the Redeemer, that means he's the one who will avenge the wrongs done to you. That means he was the one who restores your rights back to you. And so the what of the story is God sent a promise, and the promise was Jesus. And Jesus was and is and will always be our Redeemer. 
He's our redeemer. That's the what of the story. And I know you know the what of the story. That's the part, the part of the plot, that that's what God did. And the Bible said he did it because he so loved the mess of humanity that he, he, he sent his best rescue plan. He sent his um, plan in, in the form of our redeemer who gave us our rights back and who avenged the wrongs done to us that happened all the way back there in the garden. That's the what of the story, that God always fulfills his promises. Look at someone said he's talking to you because I think there's some people here today wondering about that promise, especially when it, it doesn't go exactly how we thought it was going to go. God's a promise keeper. He's a way maker. Amen. That's why we, sell, that's why we sing. Well, what do you think? Because you're happy. You have some faith. You have some hope. That's what we sing about this morning. And the how of the story is not only that God fulfills his promises, but he fulfills his promises perfectly. Everyone say perfectly. God has this plan, and he fulfills it perfectly. And so there's, there's this um, part of the story that we all know, we sing about, some, some denominations are completely built around it, but, but there, there was a virgin birth. And so we, we just sort of accept that, but I want to explain to you today why there was a, a, a virgin birth, because medicine proves this to us, that the blood to the infant comes actually um, from the father. The blood to the infant comes from the father. Here's why Joseph didn't father Jesus, because that blood would have been tainted and it would have been sinful. The Bible says in 1 Peter that we're born anew with an incorruptible what? Seed. So the bloodline into Jesus was not that of Joseph, but it was that of God Almighty, his father. Mary provided the womb. She provided the space, but there wasn't the bloodline of Joseph because then it would have been tainted and it would have been sinful. So what was the seed that impregnated that virgin girl? It was the word of God, the book of promise. Let, let, let me read you a scripture. You should be more excited than that. John chapter 1 verse, verse 14 says this, the word actually became flesh. How did the word became flesh? It was the seed given to Mary. So the word became flesh. Everyone say flesh. And it actually dwelt, isn't that a cool concept? It actually dwelt among us. We have seen his glory. We've seen the glory of the one and the only son who came from the father and he was full of grace and truth. It should be worded this way. He was full of grace truth. In other words, grace is truth and truth is grace. Now, I've heard people say that this is wrong, but they're wrong. Grace is a person. He's Jesus. Truth is a person. He's Jesus. There's more than a religion. There's more than a philosophy, but more than just that. He is the promise. And the only way the promise could come forth is the word of God. The word of God was the seed. It's the same thing in your life. The word of God is the seed for the promise to manifest. It's the seed for the miracle. It was the seed for those twins to be born. The word of God is the seed. That's why the Bible said you can rely on the words of Jesus. Can re anyone glad about that? You can rely on the word of God. Let me make a statement that you may have believed wrong about, but stick with me. The promise of God is not born in prayer. It's born from the word of God. 
Something from God is not born in prayer. It's born from the seed of the word of God. Now let me explain that. Prayer nurtures it. The word conceives it. Isn't that a cool thought? Prayer nurtures it. It incubates it. It brings it along. Mary had that baby in her womb. It was being brought along. But the promises of God in your life and my life are birthed from a seed, and the seed is always the word of God. Then we nurture it in prayer. So whatever it is that God said over your life, you get you a word or two, you get you a scripture or two, and you get it, and you activate it by your voice, and you pray on it, and what's that do? Prayer nurtures it to fruition, but it's the word of God. Let me prove that to you. The angel shows up, unwed, teenage girl, virgin, God sends a word and says, you're going to give birth to the Messiah, to the promise. Every Old Testament scripture is going to be filled. It's going to be fulfilled through you. We sing the songs. We see the nativity scenes. And we just sort of, you know, we just wax over that sometimes. Oh, that was beautiful. Go, Mary. That's awesome. But Mary's reaction was the same that yours would have been. How can this be? I think sometimes we say that when God says healed, how can this be? When God says blessed, how can this be? Forgiven, how can this be? Restored, how can this be? Because we look at our inability and our impossibility and our unworthiness, but remember he's grace and he's truth and he's a God of promise. And the promise doesn't depend on how good we are, it depends on how great he has been. And her reaction was, how can this be? And the Bible says this, the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you. There's going to be that Messiah born in your womb. And I love what Mary said. Mary said this about the word of God. Well, so be it to me. As you say, so be it. How about this? When you read the words of Jesus and he says you're an overcomer, you may not look like it. It may not seem like it. But as your word says, so be it for me. That's receiving the word of God. That's her saying what God said to her. As you said, so be it. If you said, I'm pregnant with the Messiah, so be it. If, if God said to you, you're an overcomer, you need to just say, I'll take it, so be it. I'm an overcomer. If the Bible says you're redeemed, the Bible said, let, let you say so, right? That's receiving the word of God. That's repeating the word of God. So it's the word of God that's the seed. Prayer nurtures it. Then you just pray it out to fruition. I mean, that's a good word this morning. That's the how of the story. That's how a virgin birth happened. That's how a promise manifests in your life. That's how deliverance comes in your life. That's how freedom comes in your life. That's how miracles happen in your life. You just receive what he says and nurture it in prayer. That's the what. That's the how. Let me give you the why. So God fulfilled his promise, he fulfilled it perfectly, and he filled it perfectly by redeeming his people. That's the why. The whole reason was redemption. The whole reason that there was a silent night, there was a moment in Bethlehem, was a moment that started the plan of redemption. Now, I gave you the, word, the definition of a redeemer, but if you look up the word redeem and you study out the biblical word Here's exactly what it means. It means that a person would go intentionally into a slave market, pay for a slave with the sole intention of freeing them. That's exactly what the word redeem means. I'm intentionally, and that meant a lot in that culture because there, there were many slaves at the time. 
So to redeem means that Jesus, God's promise, was birthed by the word of God for the whole purpose of walking into the slavery of sin and bondage and hopelessness and despair. The whole intention he was born was to go to a cross, descend into hell, resurrect and return to the throne of God. He went into hell and he purchased freedom for you. He went to the cross and shed his blood for your forgiveness. That's the whole reason that he was born in a manger. And it didn't matter if it was obscure or if everyone in the world saw it. It was more important that they saw him on a cross. It's more important that we see him at the throne today than what that manger was like, even though it's significant. That's what redeem means. In the Old Testament, there's about 150 times you're going to see the word redeem or redemption, and it was all about Israel coming out of Egypt. In the New Testament, there's about 18 to 20 times, and it's always connected with a price being paid for freedom. He paid a price for your freedom. He paid a price for your promise. He paid a price for your healing. He paid a price for your deliverance. He paid a price for you to be free this morning. Galatians chapter three. We started in Galatians. We're gonna end in Galatians chapter three. Two verses. You know them, but they're significant. Christ redeemed. Now we read earlier in the book of Galatians that the reason he came was to redeem. Now we see the past tense, Christ redeemed. Y'all get that? Past tense. He has redeemed you from the what? From the curse. He redeemed you from the curse. Because it's written, cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree or a pole. And he redeemed, past tense, us so that the blessing given to Abraham might actually come upon the Gentile audience, that's you and me, through Jesus Christ, so that by faith we might receive the promise of his spirit. So we were told about the how, and we were told the how was the virgin birth, and the what was to redeem you, and the why was because we needed redeemed, we needed rescued. And later in Galatians, we see that he actually became a curse. He actually hung on the cross. He actually gave his life for my freedom, for your freedom. And so all of the Old Testament blessings were there because people obeyed. But if you disobeyed, the curse came. That's why we were cursed people. That's why we were born cursed people. If you obeyed, blessed. But you had to obey everything. If you, if you missed up one law, you were guilty of breaking all of them. So if you lied, you were guilty of hatred, murder, and all the others. If, if you broke one, you broke them all. And so a curse came. Obviously, we were all cursed. And so not only could you not be forgiven the blessings promise could not be on you. Why? Because we were cursed. But the Bible says this, Jesus actually came and he actually became the curse. Because if, if you hang on a tree, if you're crucified, there's a curse. Jesus took on the curse and he became the curse. Why? That it opened the door that by faith, all the blessings originally promised could come on you. So in essence, redemption is twofold. It's to rescue you and forgive you from, a slavery, from slavery to sin and it's to open the door that the blessing could come on you. 
He removed the penalty that you could have the prize. He removed the punishment so that you could be blessed. He opened the door for the promise to have a home in your life and my life. He did that. That's why he's called the Redeemer. What does the Redeemer do? They redeem. It means to buy back. He bought back your freedom. You didn't deserve it. He bought it back. He bought, he bought back today your forgiveness. That's why the Bible says now you're justified. Big word justification. Here's all you got to remember. It's just as if you haven't sinned. Yeah, you, you have a history. You have a track record. But he bought it back. He covered it. It's just as if you didn't sin. It's just as if he erased the pages. It's just as if he... Um, started a new story. Anyone glad about that? Excited about that? He paid the penalty for the curse and it opened the door for the blessing. So here's what I want you to get this morning. Because sometimes because we need it so bad, we are so willing to understand that he made a way for us to be forgiven. Why? Because we need it so bad. We understand we're, we, we, we fail. We understand we're human. We understand we miss it. We understand we have pride. We understand we, we have missed it, and we still miss it, and we're going to miss it some. And because we know we need forgiveness so bad, we embrace that part of the story. But I want you to get this. As much as you embrace the part of the story because you need forgiveness, I want you to embrace the blessing. I want you to embrace the promises, not just of forgiveness, but favor. Come on, if you can embrace forgiveness, you better embrace favor. And just as you can embrace being cleansed, come on, you need to embrace the fact that you're the blessed of Abraham. That's how every promise can come your way. He broke the curse. Cursed person can't receive the blessing, but he blessed you. Come on, you're, you're, as much as you're forgiven, you're blessed. As much as you're redeemed, your redemption also means that you're not just forgiven, but you are blessed. Now, obviously, you study that out. I'm almost done. If you study that out, the, the, the curse had three parts to it. The first part was separation from God. That was part of the curse. The second part was sickness and disease. And the third part was poverty and lack. That's the three part. Go back. You can read it back in Leviticus. That was the curse, those three things. So when Jesus, aren't you glad he didn't stop in the manger? That's what I'm saying. And I want you to get this newsflash. He didn't stop at the cross either. And he didn't stop at the grave. And he didn't stop at the resurrection morning. He's seated at the throne of God. I guess what I'm saying to you, the manger was never the destination. It was just part of the journey. And the cross was part of the journey. And the grave was part of the journey. But the throne matter of fact, I'd take it a step further. I'm not sure the throne was his destination. I think your heart was. I think your heart was his destination. But when he broke the curse, here's what he broke. He broke the fact that you didn't have to be separated from God anymore. You, you, you didn't have to be alienated from God's love anymore. Remember, God didn't speak for like 400 years. And when he did speak, he whispered to a teenager in a little town. 
And that whisper became a louder and louder and louder and louder and louder voice. And so what did he do? He removed the barrier between you and God. Only Jesus could have done that. He broke the power of separation. And he broke the power of sickness. And he broke the power of poverty. That's all in that blessing. So you should get excited about the forgiveness, but you should get excited about the blessing. He wants to prosper you. He wants to heal you. He wants to live in your heart. Say, well, how how can that be? Well, that's his story. And that's history. His story is history. But what about your story? Ephesians says this, that everything he did was a gift of grace, which means unmerited, unearned, and undeserved. We're going to exchange gifts here in a few days. And I know this is kind of funny. I've probably said this before, but I've never put a package by the tree for either of my girls or my wife. So my oldest, this will be her 21st Christmas. We've had, this will be 25 Christmases together. My youngest, this will be her 15th Christmas. And I want you to know that the gift, all the gifts over the years that have been put by the tree, there's none of them that haven't been opened. There's not one still sitting there. Because I'd have them all drug tested if that happens. No one's ever said, oh, Father, thou art too good for us. Um, Thou art such a blessing. No one's ever said that. All the shopping, all the wrapping, all that, and it's over in like 20 minutes and wrapping paper's everywhere and it's open and they receive it and they wear it or they use it. But there's faith there that I've provided good presents because hopefully I'm a good dad and good husband, but he's a good father. And for him to provide a present that some of us may have still been leaving unopened is a shame. I worded it this way. Your story really starts when you decide to embrace his authorship in your life. Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Church Podcast. Visit us online at lifepointcentral.com.